No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where the people complain because they are being mistreated by their fellow Jews. Nehemiah becomes angry and effectively deals with the problem. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Nehemiah chapter 5 on Simply the Bible. Yesterday we saw where Nehemiah and the Jews faced opposition from the enemy as they worked on the wall. Now, when you're doing a work for God, you can expect the enemy to attack you from the outside. But what you're not always prepared for is being attacked from the inside. The people who should be for you are sometimes against you. That is called dissension. And it's one of Satan's most lethal arrows because it goes right to the heart. Pastor Alan Redpath wrote, one of the things that does most harm in God's work is dissension among his people. If you want a work of God ruined, just let misunderstanding, discouragement, and mistrust arise. Though the people may be united in objective, they will be divided in their affection, and the work cannot survive. Conflict will inevitably arise in any community, but the key to survival is effectively resolving it. We continue today in Nehemiah chapter 5. And there was a great outcry of the people and their wives against their Jewish brethren. For there were those who said, We, our sons and our daughters, are many. Therefore, let us get grain that we may eat and live. There were also some who said, We have mortgaged our lands and vineyards and houses that we might buy grain because of the famine. So Nehemiah comes to Jerusalem at the time of a famine And the people are hungry. They're so hungry that they've had to mortgage their lands and their farms, their homes, in order just to buy food. There were also those who said, we have borrowed money for the king's tax on our lands and vineyards. Yet now our flesh is as the flesh of our brethren, our children as their children. And indeed, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves. And some of our daughters have been brought into slavery. It is not in our power to redeem them. For other men have our lands and vineyards. So if it wasn't bad enough that they were just hungry, not enough food to go around, then there was also the taxation burden that was placed upon them by the king. But they had no money to pay it and no farms in order to pay it because they'd already mortgaged them. So instead, the only thing they had left were their children, and so they were selling their children to be Hebrew slaves. Now, under the law of Moses, you could do that. You could sell yourself or you could sell your your children for a period of time to be a, a, a Jewish slave, but then you would be able to redeem them as soon as you had the money, you could redeem them back. And if you didn't redeem them after six years, they would go free. But they had no money to redeem them. So, so here for at least six years, their children are slaves to their own Jewish brethren. And this created uh, an economic divide. You had the haves and then you had the have-nots and a social divide. They had all been captives in Babylon 
But now some were slave owners and some were slaves. And there was nothing they could do to change the situation. And so Nehemiah said, I became very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. After serious thought, I rebuked the nobles and rulers and said to them, each of you is exacting usury or interest from his brother. So I called a great assembly against them. And I said to them, according to our ability, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren who were sold to the nations. Now, indeed, will you even sell your brethren or should they be sold to us? And then they were silenced and found nothing to say. Nehemiah was full of righteous indignation. Now that's anger that has got a purpose. It's got a purpose to right those people who have been wronged. In this case, the Jewish brethren who had to sell their own children, and Nehemiah was angry about it. But you know, in that mode of righteous indignation, even in that, you can blow it. And so uh, it says that after serious thought, okay, that's the key thing. There are times when I have felt righteous indignation over somebody that's being oppressed or harmed or or hurt, uh, but I I don't always uh, give it serious thought first before I go try to deal with it. And that has been a mistake. It's much wiser to think and pray about it before you deal with it. Proverbs 15, 28 says, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer but the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. So he gave it thought, but then he rebuked the nobles and rulers and said, you are exacting usury or you're charging interest of your brethren. Now, under the law, they were to loan money to their Jewish brethren, but they were not to charge any interest. They could charge interest to the foreigners, but not to their own Jewish brethren. So they weren't paying any attention Uh, to the law. And then he said, you know, we have redeemed our Jewish brethren according to our own ability. So these who had been in Babylonian captivity, Nehemiah and others had helped to redeem them, to get them out of Babylonian captivity, but now they're putting them right back into slavery again. And they had nothing to say. There was just this awkward, guilty silence when Nehemiah called him out on these things. Then I said, what you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in the fear of our God because of the reproach of the nations, our enemies? I also, with my brethren and my servants, am lending them money and grain. Please, let us stop this usury. Restore now to them, even this day, their lands, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses. Also a hundredth of the money and the grain and the new wine and the oil that you have charged them. This is just a great question, and it's one that we should think about today. Should you not walk in the fear of our God? You know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But when we fear God, then we care about others. And they weren't fearing God. They weren't caring for their brethren. And so Nehemiah says, look, you should be walking in the fear of God. You can't afford not to walk in the fear of God. Ephesians 5.21 says to submit to one another in the fear of God. The idea here is that if we fear God, we're not going to just look after ourselves and our own wants and desires and needs, but we're going to look after 
others and consider even them better than ourselves. Why? Because we fear God. So he said, so now restore the lands, the farms, the homes that you've taken and restore the 1% interest that you have charged them on the money that you've loaned them. And there are many commentators that believe that 1% interest was per month, which would have been uh, 12% per annum. So they said, we will restore it and will require nothing from them. We will do as you say. Then I called the priests and required an oath from them that they would do according to this promise. Now, why did Nehemiah pull the priests aside? Well, probably because they were the ringleaders in this. And not only uh, did he pull them aside, but he required an oath from them. And why would he do that? Well, because he didn't want them backing out of their promise to restore everything they had taken. Then I shook out the fold of my garment and said, so may God shake out each man from his house, from his property, who does not perform this promise. Even thus may he be shaken out and empty. Now, this is a very poignant illustration. You know, as he's shaking out his garment and he says, okay, God's going to shake you out from your house and your property if you don't do what you say. And all the assembly said, Amen, and praise the Lord. And then the people did according to this promise. So, you know, the thing is, is that when you know that you're not doing the right thing and somebody calls you out on that and says, look, this is the right thing to do. You need to do the right thing. And you then do it out of obedience and because you know it's the right thing to do, you know what? That actually does lead to worship. They, they said amen and they praised the Lord because they knew now they had done the right thing. They were restoring to their brethren, uh, their, their family, so that the families could come together again and that they could start farming their lands and so forth and, uh, and, and stop taking advantage of them. Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Artaxerxes, 12 years, neither I nor my brothers ate the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people, but I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall, and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. Now, the Bible says the laborer is worthy of his hire. Certainly, as Nehemiah was the governor, he was working hard. He was there for 12 years. But he says, I didn't take any of the provisions that were due the governor, because I could see everybody was in a very difficult situation with the famine. They couldn't afford it. He was due them, but he didn't take them because he feared God. He wanted to please God. And because he wanted to please God, he also wanted to care for the people. Instead, it says that I worked on the wall. He didn't come there to be the governor in some ivory tower, but he and his servants were there devoted to the work of rebuilding the wall of Jerusalem. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations around us. 
So not only did Nehemiah refuse the governor's provisions, he actually, at his own expense, was feeding 150 of the Jews plus foreigners who came to him. Now, that which was prepared daily was one ox and six choice sheep, also fowl, were prepared for me, and once every ten days an abundance of all kinds of wine. Yet in spite of this, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on this people. Now, it has been estimated, based upon the food that's listed here, that this was enough to feed 500 people daily. You talk about having a big dinner table. And Nehemiah, clearly being the cupbearer to the king of Persia, was a wealthy guy. Had to have been in order to do this. But it's not how much money you have, but how much you are willing to give it away that really is the proof of your godliness. Now, Nehemiah closes this with another prayer. There's a total of 12 times that Nehemiah prays in this book of Nehemiah. But he said, Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I have done for this people. Lord, remember what I've done. Bless me according to what I've done. What I love about Nehemiah is he took this situation that could have blown up, where there were people enslaving other people, and people going hungry, and yet he turned it around, and just as the Bible says, don't be overcome by evil. Instead, overcome evil with good. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. If you have questions or comments, please call or text us at 208-319-4860. That's 208-319-4860. Next time, we'll see where the enemy tries to distract and intimidate Nehemiah. A spy even tries to make him afraid, but Nehemiah resists and overcomes fear. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Nehemiah on Simply the Bible.